Welcome to season five of the Digital Orthopedics Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Stefano Bini. Season five of the podcast will bring you outstanding presentations from the COVID-19 Orthopedic Response Summit powered by DocSF, the Digital Orthopedics Conference, San Francisco. It was streamed live in April 2020. We had over 4,600 registrants join us from around the world for what proved to be a really groundbreaking event. What you can expect are short, concise, and brilliant presentations that last approximately 15 minutes each. In them, we review the clinical aspects of COVID-19, leadership and design thinking solutions, digital technologies deployed to fight coronavirus, and the impact of COVID-19 on clinical practices. Each presentation will be followed by a question and answer period hosted by myself or my co-host, the insightful Shauna Butler. We hope you enjoyed these presentations. IDEO, the global design firm, has been a partner to DocSF from a very first event. We've always felt that bringing design thinking to our audience of leaders would encourage creativity in the implementation of digital solutions. For the summit, the amazing team at IDEO offered to run a COVID-19 related design-a-thon. Dennis Boyle and Tanya Brettler from IDEO's healthcare practice introduced our audience to the powers of the design community and crowdsourced a COVID-19 related problem that needed a creative solution. Following an overnight design-a-thon, IDEO presented their absolutely fantastic thoughts to our global audience the following day. The two sessions will be presented in two podcasts. Please join my co-host, Shauna Butler, for part one of this two-part presentation as she speaks to Dennis Boyle and Tanya Bredler from IDEO on the DocSF stage. Excellent. Welcome to COVID-19, the orthopedic response, a production of the Digital Orthopedics Conference San Francisco team and UCSF Department of Orthopedic Surgery. I am your host, Stefan Obedi. I'm an orthopedic surgeon, and I'm also the chair and founder of the Digital Orthopedics Conference. And we're thrilled to be joined by the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons as a global convener to address and rapidly respond to the dramatic changes to healthcare patients in our communities that we're seeing. Now, we're grateful to have a global audience joining us for this discussion, but I'm particularly pleased to welcome back Dennis Boyle, who is the senior leader of design for health practice at IDEO, the, the famed design firm, and adjunct professor at the Stanford D School, the design school, as well as Dr. Talia Butler pediatrician and medical director at IDEO. And we want to acknowledge also Delphine and Delphine Wang, who's a Kaiser Permanente and San Francisco General Hospital uh, ER doc, who also works with IDEO and contributed to this as well as all their team. So just to reframe it, what we did, which we think, we hope we might even be a first for a virtual conference. Yesterday, we crowdsourced several problems that people were having imagined COVID. And then you guys took those ideas and did a design sprint. Now, Dennis, what's a design sprint? A design sprint in this case is trying to go as far down the path of designing something, especially from a conceptual standpoint, as one can in the time you have. So we had about 24 hours. So we're coming back. With the, we had four designers and Tali and myself contributing. So there's six of us trying to move a, a, a rugby scrum down the field, if you will. So uh, we're, we're ready to show and tell what, what, what we came up with. 
Awesome. I'm going to share that screen down there and I'll say we have the, one of the most talented design teams in the world contributing to us and coming back with our 24-hour design sprint solutions that we can uh, potentially conceive about. And I guess the big idea here is to show what design people can do in the context of healthcare and the value of bringing the design community into the fold to help solve the COVID-19 problem. So take it away, Dennis. All right. So we're um, uh, just a a bit of a a boat IDO. We're an innovation and design consulting uh, firm, 800 people worldwide in nine different locations. And uh, we, uh, we, we look at this as a, the, uh, an Apollo 13 moment for, for designers, innovators. There's that scene where the, there's this big box of stuff by the, the, the engineers on the ground. We're trying to solve the problem that Apollo 13 astronauts had by one of their modules was not functioning. They had to make the landing module do for life support for three or four days. And so there's some some rough parallels here, but this is an Apollo 13 moment for the world. How can we make things work right now on the ground? So we had this open uh, ask yesterday. We had an ID design team standing by for design sprint 24 hours try to we crowdsourced the, from the 4000 plus people from the uh, audience what what were some of their biggest challenges that design team might tackle and here we are 24 hours later to show and tell what we have come up with as a team and I'll flip over to Talia Great. Thank you, Dennis. So often when we do this, first of all, 24 hours is very unusual time frame. It'll take weeks or months, but we wanted to give this a try and we know how serious this pandemic is. But we wanted to show you a little bit of our process before we can deliverable. So at the beginning, we pick a question. You all helped us do that yesterday. We do brainstorming and we'll tell you a little bit about how we do that in our special IDEO way. Then we vote, we pick the topics we want to build out a little bit more with prototyping and testing. And then ultimately we would do some experimenting and iterative design is what we do. Lots of processes. And that image is a example of how we might do this over and over and over again. So the other thing that's important to think about for human-centered design or design thinking, for those of you who are new to this idea, is that we always start with the people. We want to know what is desirable. And that's why we started yesterday by asking you, what are the problems you want to solve? From there, we'll often build into the viability and the feasibility, and that's where we find innovation. But we always start with the people. That's the big part of human-centered design. So yesterday, you helped us pick a question. We used the chat bot. We used the ask a question feature. People voted. Um, This is a screenshot of that for those of you who weren't here. And this is where we started. Washing your hands and not touching your face are two very effective infection prevention measures. What solutions can IDEO come up with that can help remind people throughout the day to wash their hands and not touch their faces? So from there, we brought that into a little bit of a different framing. We like to rephrase our questions using how might we statements or HMW. How might we helps us think optimistically with the how question generatively with the might question and collaborative with the we question. It doesn't point fingers. And we find that this framing can be very helpful, something you can take with you. So in this case, how might we remind people throughout the day to wash their hands and not touch their face? So from there, we brought our group of designers in. We had Ridma, who is a game designer, 
May, who's an interaction designer, Doan and Ross are both industrial designers. And this is a screenshot of us on our Zoom call yesterday, right after our session, getting together and making our plans for a quick sprint. Well, Tali mentioned kind of guidelines or rules. These are some things that we put up on our walls and and there's there's deferred judgment. So don't judge ideas when you're come trying to come up with them. Encourage wild ideas. Try to push the limits. You know, just standard ideas aren't always going to work in situations like this. Build on the ideas of others. So you're working as a team. One conversation at a time so everybody can hear the ideas. Stay focused on the topic. Be visual. Make a a little bit of a sketch on a sticky note uh, or a a piece of paper. And then help. that'll help explain it. And then go for as many ideas in the time that you have. You can see here, well, we're normally together and we're all on top of each other putting up notes on boards. Well, we can't do that these days, but there's some remarkable uh, pieces of uh, software out there that are just getting better every day because everybody's trying to do this at once. This is a piece of software called Mural that uh, our design team is getting better at it at every day. You can see we did some warm-up brainstorming sessions, household objects communication channels, just to kind of like start the, the um, creative uh, energy flowing. And you can, we zoomed out and you can see the extent of the kind of the quantity of uh, the brainstorming uh, ideas. Each little post-it note, a virtual post-it note is, is a concept of some sort. And in the cases below, you can see that People were writing on actual post-it notes, holding up their camera on their, their laptops, and the moderator is taking pictures of them. And so there's a kind of a combination of virtual and actual post-it notes, images on on the uh, the boards. Sometimes this happens that the original question gets is evolved by the design team to be even more, more topical or more important. What we came up with together as a team is how might we reinforce hygiene habits, and social distancing for public safety. So combining these two things together um, because they're so uh, at the top of everyone's list for advice around how to behave in, in this day and moment. Yeah. And just to show you a, a little bit more of our process, here we have our team. I'm holding up a post-it, which is why you can't see my face, but we've got lots of visual post-its, people doing sketches either in Sharpie and by hand or on their computers. And those little green dots is how we help narrow what we want to build next. We come up with a lot of ideas, and we know some of those ideas are going to be terrible, but sometimes those terrible ideas are what make us think of something good. And then we choose what we want to build up next. Another technique we have is uh, looking outside for inspiration and looking to analogous fields. So changing behavior, washing your hands more. It's kind of like brushing your teeth. So what are things we use to help determine how long we should brush our teeth for? There are different cues like music. We also can be inspired by little bells we put on our pets or cowbells so we know when they're moving. Might help us remember where our hands are and why we're moving them. And then from there, we jump right into concepts. So everybody at home can do this. Take a piece of paper and a pencil, and we talk about drawing stick figures all the time. This is a little bit hard to see, but this is a sketch of an idea of a soap that would allow you to see when your hands are clean and when they're dirty. Um, And you could add something to the soap so that it's a certain color and it would encourage hand washing. And then I'll jump through another few concepts. This one is one we didn't build out any further, but it's a tattoo that 
when it's wet, it would be clear. But if you haven't washed your hands in an hour, it would get darker and darker and it would be a visual reminder. So lots of different ways that people can help remember. And the next two are early stage shots of what has gotten built out a little bit more. So this is another hand washing concept. Um, and this is an app to help us think about social distancing. So last night, this is where we got to. We had all these ideas. We talked about them a little bit more. And then uh, the team took a break, had some dinner. And you can see here that we even took more post-its and tried to build on ideas so that this morning when the team picked up again, they would have more ideas to create further progress. Just another reminder of this process starts with with people and we start to layer on technical factors and business factors as we go. But at first, it's really got to work for people in one form or another. Um, Again, this process, if you go to another diagram, it it diverges uh, to during the inspire, understand phase, and then it converges to try to get to fewer concepts and then diverge again with fewer concepts with a little bit of visualizing and prototyping. And uh, uh, after this point, you would begin to refine and develop um, typically. The, this phase typically lasts weeks or in some cases months, uh, so, but we're, we're trying to push it for, for a matter of hours here. This was a um, little session we had this morning with the, the a, a group of 16 or 18 people. Uh, here, I'm showing drinking my coffee here. But uh, we, we put up these concepts uh, in front of them and got feedback. All the little sticky notes that you see on the concepts were what their impressions were as, as well. We're all kind of users in this current um, uh, atmosphere of uh, how to modify and pr- promote um, healthy behaviors during this uh, pandemic. So we took that and fed that back to the design team. Um, design team was listening in some cases, and, and uh, a couple of very interesting kind of um, questions came out, as they always do. What if you can incentivize people to go to non-chronic places like Pokemon Go? What if directed towards areas that are safest with the fewest people and the widest streets? When is it good to go outside? Is it conversation that happens every day? How might we... Um, leverage some of these and build these things into the, the concepts that are being developed. So one uh, concept that came up and was developed to a little higher fidelity was um, called the Bubble app. That's a mobile application that helps you social distance. Uh, it's a couple of concepts here, but everybody travels with a smartphone these days. This is an application that helps understand how to keep people at least six feet apart and give you uh, intera- feedback and interactions if you are or not. The next screen is what the app might look like. Avoid the certain streets which have high foot traffic when you're planning an outing, trying to go outside. It might remind you in the case to wear, wear a, a mask or um, or wear gloves or wash before and wash after. Think of this as people are about to burst your bubble when you are too close and it's, it's recording all along as you go along because there's quite a bit of technology built into smartphones as as they exist and we believe this could be um, implemented with some Bluetooth and other types of uh, technology that's possible. 
And then when you get home, the screenshot uh, tells you how far you've walked, how many people came inside the six-foot bubble, could contribute data to your city's safe distancing kind of initiative or um, helping kind of anonymize data to get out there and see how a population is doing. And then there's possibly a, 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 for, small, a strong forcing function that occurs that that this will not you can't turn this off on your phone until you've clicked done. You've you've finished the hand washing for 20 seconds. You've wiped down your phone surfaces and door. You've clicked off a little checklist of things that you should do once you have returned to your home from an outing. After 24 hours, a client or a, a uh, the team will ask what are next steps to make the plan here. A quick little list of understanding if and how concept is valuable, making a quick little prototype, a little click-through prototype on the phone itself. We would interview extreme users, people who were very paranoid about breaking the rules, and those that uh, on the other extreme, those that weren't. They were kind of laissez-faire. So to try to understand how to make this appeal to more people in, in the population. Is data privacy a concern? Is there a way we can make this feel comfortable for users? Who might we partner with this to create more value and accelerate bringing some, this application to market, considering a local government or maybe a state government? or map uh, software people or public health uh, departments, who's who's sponsoring this and who's keeping this going. And we practice, begin to practice iterative design where we take all this feedback and update the design, start making pilots and go out for higher numbers and test with higher numbers as we try to quickly move this into a position where it could be released on on app stores. Yes. So um, after you've gone out, your app reminded you to wash your hands. We went to for a little bit of a different style here. And now we're thinking about how do I make sure I am washing my hands well? So we used HMW or how might we, how might we provide clarity of how well your hands are washed? Um, so this is a product that could be attached to an existing sink or faucet kind of like those old uh, wrist bracelets that we had in the 90s or um, the modern Apple Watch could be made of silicone or rubber. And it uses UV light to highlight any remaining dirt or particles on your hands. So just to see it in action a little bit, uh, it might use a sensor or proximity sensor to turn on your faucet. Once you start washing your hands, the music plays and there's an auditory cue to say, 20 seconds, maybe you sing happy birthday. Um, but there's also lots of other memes going around for how to remember 20 seconds. And then uh, after you're done, um, it shines the light and the light would allow you to see are there any spots that you missed and it would also reinforce any good habits. So if you can't see any dirt, you did a great job. This helps keep people mindful about the process of washing your hands, engaged, it helps make the invisible visible, um, and it, it does it in a way that's kind of fun and joyful and not, not so serious all the time. So next steps for something like this would be to interview users again to help understand hand-washing behaviors. Then, you know, the quick and dirty version would be to hack existing products and try to make a workable prototype. We'd experiment with different features, and then we'd look into partnerships. So do any uh, light companies want to add a feature like this or fixture companies that would we could partner with to help us refine and uh, produce the design? 
I remember um, just on this last one, an idea that was kind of a team came up with is that maybe this uh, kind of software, timing software could exist on a smartwatch or something like that, uh, that would uh, give you some of this function by helping with a, a song or a, t- a countdown timer because it senses you washing your hands. So it's a, kind of an addendum. Because your phone is proximity almost yeah. every time. So just you're activated, you have to worry about funny. Yeah. It's a brilliant guy. I can't wait for the bonus feature because uh, <laughs> that was so much fun. Um, so uh, a couple of ideas just came up right near the end that you sometimes can't help yourself with. And we 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 have a, a practice we call the parking lot just to put them over here because we're working on a couple of main things. But but the whole idea of using your watch or uh, some Fitbits or some of the things you're already wearing that give you visual or audible or um, vibrational feedback. Um, the thought was if when you raise your hand above your your neck, the likelihood is that you're about to um, touch your face. I mean, there's other things that you could be doing, but th- th- it'll give you a bit of feedback here, whether it's auditory, you can adjust it to make it just vibrate so you're not hearing a blaring siren every moment, but, but it will help you um, uh, change your habits and be more aware of when your hands are approaching your face. So that, uh, that, that appealed to everybody on the team and wanted to uh, put that out forward. Uh, and this is another idea that people on the team were excited about because we know PPE is in such high demand. And the bottom line is we don't have enough of it. And what do we do with what we have until we have enough of it? So this was inspired actually by a special type of goggles that downhill racers might use when their face gets full of mud. They can take off a screen, bike kind of a racers. plastic bike yeah. racers. More Thank bike you, Dennis. And uh, this is kind of an N95 with lots of layers of a surgical mask on top of it. So you could keep your own N95 clean. But if you were seeing a patient that uh, was on droplet precautions, you could just rip off one layer of the mask. So this is, again, how might we quickly iterate to apply our learnings and improve existing products rather than creating something entirely new? One thing that there are many sayings and quotes that drive us, but this is certainly at the very top where uh, to predict the future, you you invent it. So we try to live this uh, every day and inspiring process. And we hope you feel the same way and uh, thank uh, uh, Stefano and his team for the opportunity here to uh, present this. I, I thought that was brilliant. I don't think it's been done before to have a design sprint inside a virtual conference triggered by requests from the community with an output that is so creative and so just, wow, I loved it. I even, I, I love this. Just real quick, these ideas are now out in the community. If somebody wants to take of these and iterate on them, it's okay. Yeah, they're open source. <laughs> open source now. That there was, was absolutely at least brilliant. Four hundred ninety-one people have just seen them. So <laughs> <laughs> we're excited about that. Uh, I have one question in the queue, but I want to just ask you a couple of questions so that people understand the process a little bit better. Um, those who have come to DocSF previously, uh, you, you've, you've by definition worked with Ideo. Um, Dennis, actually, I should probably worth mentioning within a week or a few days that I came up with this concept of maybe doing digital face conference. I happened to hear Dennis speak 
at a conference at Stanford. I was so impressed. I went up and said, listen, I got this crazy idea. What do you think? And he offered to support this thought process and encouraged me to move forward and has been generous with his time and effort and his team to come to every single DocSF we've ever had and also provide uh, sessions for our team to go through a design thinking process. And what you're seeing today is the power of the design thinking community to support us clinicians in our, in our, in our ability to, to address uh, challenges that we're having, whether it's COVID-19 driven or otherwise. And in the session with Michael Blum, you can also hear how design thinking uh, has enabled the, the University of California San Francisco to change completely their internal culture and how to handle uh, uh, challenges that need quick responses. So the reason I said that because we, we focused, uh, or at least my attention is focused on the result, I'd like to go back a little bit, how you build a team to do a sprint like this. Um, as you mentioned earlier, Talia, normally you have more than just designers in a team. Want to talk a little bit about that, you or Dennis, about who needs to be in the room? What's well, that look like? I, I'll let Talia add too, but what we try to do is put together uh, teams that have a number of different disciplines on them. In this case, having uh, some visual designers, uh, an interaction designer, uh, which was which was May. Uh, the, the visual designers were Doan and and uh, Rob, and then Redima was a is a play lab designer, toy designer to for, to bring some of that kind of lively uh, energy around um, uh, making things usable and playful. Uh, how, how would you add to that, uh, Talia? Yeah, I think we always make our teams of people from different disciplines and different backgrounds. And in addition to that, this is really a co-design process. So we always design with the people we're designing for. So if you can, other terms of that are participatory design or the co-design process. And we love to design either with our clients and or with our users. So in this case, we talked about the people we might interview, but in addition, you know, perhaps surgeons who are scrubbing their hands very often, they would be interesting users to think, understand hand-washing procedures. Yeah. Um, yeah. And similarly, people who live on the streets who don't have an opportunity to wash their hands very much, um, what could we learn from them? So we always try to learn from everyone and we bring people along for the process so that you can see the divergence and the convergence and help us decide what the best ideas are so that our designers can bring them to the next level. Thank you for the, the explanation. And then you iterate by having this really large set of ideas that are open, or people are very, uh, very no-blame environment, there's no ideas too, too silly, too stupid, right? And then the team, how do they, how do they go from all those ideas, including the crazy ones, down to... Uh, the ones that maybe have more likes to them. How does that, what's that look like? Talia, you want to take that one? Sure. So, you know, we love to come up with the crazy ideas, like you said. And then uh, when we're in the office, we take little stickers like we're children um, <laughs> and we put them on the post-its that we like the most. And then those ideas that have the most stickers on it, that's where we start building out a little bit more. And again, we kind of do this diverging and converging process. So we'll take an idea, one idea, and we might build three examples of it. And of those three examples, we like one the best. So then we'll 
you know, iterate on that a little bit more. It, you know, it's somewhat of a democratic process, but when we're working with the client, we also have to understand what are the constraints. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, if if we want to design something with that involves UV light, how much does a UV light bulb cost? And so it. Yeah, I, I just add to that that the clients some oftentimes in the room and they're helping vote to have this uh, convergence process or we take ideas out from quick little sketches or quick little models that demonstrate the process and show them to this uh, range of users that Talia mentioned or people are uh, very engaged, they're professionals or they're very uh, disengaged and they're, they're quite far away from the, the, the problem. In a question from Alonzo Sexton, in the healthcare world, are there any general barriers that you have found as major limits to progressing from design stage to implementation? So very much a healthcare question in here. Well, I mean, we look at constraints as kind of good to have guidelines, but of course, any healthcare product or service or um, system is, is quite highly regulated. So we have to work with the FDA and all sorts of other regulatory bodies. T today's, this moment, some of these things are being shortcutted because there's such a great need. Yeah, I think the regulatory side of things can sometimes be a barrier to faster implementation, but safety is is real and it's really important when you're doing something and you could affect a person's life in a serious way. Um, and so we definitely have to account for that regulatory and safety factors. Um, and the other thing we do, we think about is we know there's a lot of stakeholders in the healthcare system, right? So there's patients, there's doctors, there's nurses, there's other healthcare providers, there's hospitals, there's insurers, there's, uh, you know, the companies that are providing all of the healthcare goods. And so thinking about what is the perspective of all of those different stakeholders when you're trying to bring a process or implement something new can be very relevant. And that's part of why someone like me, a doctor is on the team at IDEO to help understand some of that at a deeper level and earlier on. And I'd just add to that too, there's no substitute for testing and testing and more testing. Even in accelerated projects, you more than any other category we work in, there's much less room for error if, if people's uh, health is at stake. And so you've got to build these virtual tools, software tools, um, processes, experiences in, in clinics or in, in other places or, or products. You've got to build prototypes and test them with enough people that you can give uh, yourself and, and pass all the um, hurdles that need to be passed so that you're not releasing something out there that is dangerous. I'm going to rephrase one of these questions a little bit from Jeffrey Blander. I think what he's trying to get at is how do you, how do we get, a, there are some great ideas of being published on the internet. There are people at home using 3D printers coming up with curl ideas. How does, how do ideas like that get out into community and get used and get into the hands you could use them? What's the, how do you, what kind of pathway do you see evolving or should uh, designers, thinkers, inventors have as they, create concepts that they think would be helpful to the healthcare community. What's that path look like? 
Well, there's a lot being produced. I mean, you have to get it out in some way in front of people if you're kind of an independent inventor. There's a lot. Of, yesterday's talk, we, we went over how many things are coming online in, in the PPE space, for instance, or in the ventilator space, for instance. Uh, people are putting their going open source with their ideas. Um, you need you need people you need to get from the open source to a, somebody that can produce the products or services. And so I think we're in that big phase right now. Uh, all the big corporations are starting to line up to try to do their part. Uh, the auto companies and the medical products companies. That, there's a. I think we're going to see remarkable innovation and things happen that we've never seen before. But there's some unknowns. Uh, just to, to build on that a little bit, I think, you know, open source is big right now and that helps speed up innovation. But really, like Dennis said, getting the ideas into the right person's hands, right? So we at IDEO, like Dennis talked about yesterday, have been doing a face mask project, uh, face shield, excuse me. And we made one prototype or a few prototypes. We gave it to some doctors. They tried it out. They gave us feedback. And then we bring it back. And uh, that's how you get your ideas going. Give it to, as, assume, assuming it's safe, you give it to one person to try. And uh, if they like it, hopefully it has its own legs. But I think that's another interesting point that we need innovation, not just in the products and the services, but in the supply chain. So we need people thinking about that as well. Yeah, I mentioned the Emergency Design Collective yesterday's um, session. That if you go back and look at that, but that's a UCSF-based uh, innovation uh, co collaboration with designers all over the world. Over 100 or 200 people a part of this. They they published three or four different things in the space of of PPE and and blood donation and others. Uh, take a look at that Emergency Design. Uh, collective uh, started by Dr. Amanda Salmon of UCSF, uh, trauma surgeon. So, uh, but but yeah, they they've anticipated that that the, what we're seeing now. And my phone's lighting up right and left. Where the CDC is starting to promote all people wearing masks. But there's the big challenge of if if that's the case, um, are, are are all people taking masks away from healthcare providers? So they're promoting making masks yourself or doing do-it-yourself kind of uh, home masks. Uh, so you're going to see all this come to light in the next day or two here. Yeah, there's a couple of notes from Lou Sean, who's watching and participating in our questions. He himself uh, works with several universities, BME design programs, himself as an inventor, and was uh, asking a little bit about mm, could there be a COVID design challenge, a, a group out there? maybe even sponsored by the idea where it create, uh, brings together some of the design firms to solve some of these COVID problems, kind of like we did today. Uh, sounds like an interesting idea. I don't know if that's feasible. I, I just repeat that the, the Emergency Design Collective is already doing that, and we're right. participating in two or three or, or four of those projects, and they've got other uh, firms like Frog and uh, other firms kind of part of it, and there's individuals. So I'd, find, I'd look at that as one suggestion at first. Terrific idea. So, um, yeah, so Lou, I think we'll direct you there and hopefully you'll be able to get involved. It sounds like you yourself are integrated in some of those design schools and can help about that. And Mike Ryan has a question that I would have asked myself. He's obviously with us at DocSF and uh, 
what's the best way for us to continue taking some of these design sprint ideas and moving ahead and revisiting them in Docker Set 21? I mean, I do have a thought, actually, if I can share it with you publicly. Perhaps yeah, we can. the boss. Yeah, well, <laughs> I know, but it's like this. We have already sort of mentioned that is that one of the themes for Doc SF 2021, the Jordan Conference, is sort of come up with a, a roadmap for development for uh, what we'll need in orthopedics. That roadmap uh, a year ago would look very different. It'll look next year. Uh, but we could probably use some of these um, concepts, ideas, processes that you just outlined at Doc SF to, to help ideate and streamline and Think through some what what we need to where we need to go for the next uh, say five years. I could I could completely agree, and I think you're in a position, a remarkable position of leadership, uh, Stefano. Uh, in that by by the time of Doc SF twenty one in January, we you could we need to be better prepared for this this pandemics. We just are woefully unprepared. So when there's some time to think a little bit more out of the emergency uh, kinds of thinking, that, that could be a, a, a great part of your your next effort, it seems to to us. Outstanding. Well, I think we'll close the session. We're, we, we're going to call it a, a day. Thank you so much for participating. It's been a first, uh, first potentially worldwide. Who knows? Maybe. But it's definitely an innovative idea that we had. You guys were amazing. Your designers are amazing. Those drawings, those concept drawings were so good. Um, I learned so much. Thank you both for participating. Uh, big thanks also to Delphine and the rest of the team back at IDEO that spent so many hours uh, showing us what can be done and what the design community can contribute through to COVID-19 uh, response. Yeah, we Thank to, you. Yeah, we get to stand on the shoulders of giants, as they say. And uh, again, it's been an honor to be part of your, you, you put this whole function together in the last week. It's just remarkable to see how well it's come off and how much it's added to the world. So thanks again for inviting us. And on that, I want to acknowledge there's a whole team behind me who volunteered their time as well. And we, I, thank you. I'll let them know. <laughs> thank Including you. your spouse. <laughs> oh, yes, I grab everybody here. Sean is hours, Nancy and yeah. Mike and Christina and Guido, one of my fellows who got stuck here from Italy, couldn't go home. He couldn't come to work. We've had no surgery for him to do. So I said, hey, why don't you help us out? So uh, Giulio Santi has been amazing. Okay, great, folks. Thank you so much. And we'll see you soon. We hope you enjoyed this presentation from the COVID-19 Orthopedic Response Summit powered by DOCSF, the Digital Orthopedics Conference, San Francisco. We hope you'll explore other episodes in this and other series. We are grateful to be joined by the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgery in promoting this event as well as many other organizations such as ACAS, the American Association of Hip and Knee Surgeons, the NHS Innovations Team, and EKA, the European Knee Associates to help us share this content to a global audience. Please consider rating this podcast in your favorite player, recommend our platform to others you think may enjoy our content, and visit docsf.health to sign up to join our community of innovators and change agents. Be the first to hear our next event. docsf.health is spelled D-O-C-S-F dot health, H-E-A-L-T-H. Thank you.